What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Smalley Talk Podcast. This is your host, Josh Shrinko, uh, coming to you solo from the car. Um, So sorry about the background noise, but I did a recording test and it sounds okay, so we're going to roll with it. Um, So because Chris isn't here, he cannot criticize my entry and or intro. And, uh, you know, see how crisp that was? It was such a crisp intro. So professional. Um, and to be honest, last time I was very, uh, a little worked up because we had a high-profile guest on. A little nervy, but not today. Um, so this is one of the things I'm bringing back that we have done in the past, um, or I, I guess I have done in the past. I've got some feedback that I felt like was pretty positive on it but it's uh, my tournament diaries. Um, And I actually recorded, so I'm recording this on a Thursday, the week after the tournament. Um, I did record a traditional way where I recorded before the tournament and after the tournament, and the audio got screwed up because I was doing it in my car and whatever. Uh, So uh, instead of making you guys suffer through some really crappy audio, I'm just going to record the recap afterwards. The other benefit of that is I have seen the tournament results play out because it was a sort of a four-day rolling event, and I had to wait until uh, Monday, guys, fish before I officially got my results. And uh, got some good news to report. If you haven't seen it on the socials, I did win the tournament, which I'm pretty pumped about. It was a record-breaking tournament uh, turnout. So 71 anglers fished this tournament, so I was first place out of 71. And honestly, you know, you know, w- f- without with the risk of like coming across as very braggadocious, I'm going to, you know, recognize that I won. Uh, you know, it was a, you know, really talented field of anglers. There's a lot of hammers in there, so I, I feel honored to have finished first. You guys obviously know I take my lumps for getting, you know, just short of being in first place. So when I do get first place, I'm going to at least recognize myself for that. So pat myself on the back right now. Way to go, Josh. You won. So getting to the tournament recap uh, is actually a pretty interesting tournament because, you know, as you guys all know, we're in the kind of heat of spring you know, this is like the middle of spring. Uh, we're today is uh, what is it? April twentieth. You know, so I fished this um, sort of been almost a week ago. So it was like April fourteenth, I think, when I fished it, and it's sort of setting up uh, for this tournament. Now, I will say on tournaments or like destination trips, I do a lot of preparation. Um, so I will say that. Um, and that doesn't necessarily include practice because I think practice is a little overrated unless it's like the day before uh, because the fish can change so much. 
Um, but what I do do is I, I look at the water temp. I look at the time of year. I go back into my previous years of documenting fish. And, you know, one of the things you can do if you don't keep a fish journal, which I've kept one very sparingly throughout the years, um, is you can just go back and look at your pictures of the fish you catch. And then you can reference that to the USGS site and look at, you know, the flow, the water temperature. You can also go back and look at historical um, forecasts uh, or weather data. This won't be a forecast if it's going backwards, but you can look at uh, retrospective weather data and sort of just start to put some puzzle pieces together as far as like where you caught them, how you caught them, what the fish were doing at the time. And this one was a very unique circumstance. Uh, I feel like in the spring. Um, so we had had pretty like brutal cold spring, like, and not like the temperature, air temperature wasn't necessarily super cold. It's just we never had like those sunshiny radiating solar radiating days that would normally warm up the water sort of progressively. We'd been getting a lot of just like cloudy weather in the forties and just, there wasn't a lot of warming up going on. And in fact, the week prior to that tournament, uh, Chris and I had been on uh, a different river and the, the water temps weren't even 50 yet. So it was, you know, and the fishing showed it, you know, it was like the fish were just sort of lackadaisical. They were lethargic. Um, so I was, you know, leading up to that tournament, we had this crazy, uh, warm up where it like was like started out at like 60 degrees and sunny, then 70 degrees and sunny, then like 75 and sunny, and then like 80, 80, 80. It was like crazy hot. And in fact, the weekend of that tournament, like I saw recorded temps of like upper 60s, so like 66, 67 degrees. Um, the water temp in the early morning on the tournament, I fished was 63. So we're talking about like a, you know, almost a 20 degree pop in temperature over the course of like a week and a half. And, you know, something uh, that was pointed out to me a couple times and I sort of agree with it is that, you know, when water temperature drops really stiff, like real, like off a cliff, it messes the fishing up. But inversely, when the water temperature jumps up super high, really fast, it also can mess up the fishing. So the fish definitely, smallmouth or bass in general, are like a creature of stability. Like they like stable stuff. It's predictable. If things start to barometric pressure jumps or drops or, you know, something it like can, it messes them up. Now that may mean a feeding frenzy at times, like when a storm pops up and the barometric pressure drops real fast or something. But in general, like they like stable flows, stable temperatures. Um, and there are exceptions to that. But in this case, it was actually showing to be true because, you know, in the springtime, a lot of times that like general consensus is like, okay, you know, if we get like warmer water, the fish are going to be, you know, going into more of that pre-spawn mode. And that just wasn't the case. Like the water temperature was like spiking and the fish just weren't responding. Um, so I had went out the only day when I quote unquote practice was on Tuesday with my brother. We went out 
and I lost a freaking giant on my second cast, and then caught a couple other ones up uh, towards this faster area, and then it sort of just like petered out. I didn't get any bites. Perfect water clarity. Water temp was like 60. It was crazy that we had a bad trip, but we did. We had a bad trip, and then the first couple days of that tournament, uh, or I guess the first day, was sort of just like what I expected. It was just like the results were sort of just like, eh, you know. Um, and I did have a couple of the Wet Boy Nation lead the pack on that day. So shout out to Nick Necrelli and Alex Deneau that were leaders on the first day. And like I said, this is a four-day tournament, or I guess, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, five-day tournament. Um, but you only get to fish one of those days. So it's like a rolling, you know, five-day tournament. And I had originally thought I was going to fish Sunday, but then I was able to take off uh, a couple appointments at work, and I um, fished on Friday. And so Thursday results came through, and I, you know, anytime buddies are fishing, you're obviously going to ask, what are the fish doing and stuff? But I, I'm careful not to be, you know, fishing against them, so I don't want them to give me, you know, keys of the kingdom or anything. But uh, I, I was told that they were the fish that we're catching were, were chasing, which is one of the first times that's happened this year. I was like, cool. So I had this sort of plan to go to these couple locations. Shout out to Nathan Pickering. He was he also did some strategizing with me and gave up a couple good good tips. Um, and I was sort of like, all right, I had this plan. I was going to go here, and I was going to try to get essentially like get there super early because there's no on the water sort of restriction. I was getting there super early and then I was going to try to uh, pedal the little Hobie, pedal my little legs off upstream up to the spot. Well, I get there and there's another guy already at the ramp at like 545, which is surprising. Uh, ended up being Justin Kivett, who you guys might know. Uh, I think his um, tag is philosophical angler. He was sporting an Achigan hoodie, so I'd give him some respect. Uh, but we, you know, game planned a little bit. He agreed he was in good spot. I was going to stick with my original spot. Um, there's a couple areas there where we were fishing that were hot spots, you could say. Um, and then, so I went up to my spot. Um, immediately, what I noticed, like, well, man, this water's way clearer than I expected. So uh, I was like, had my heart set on throwing a spinnerbait. But my spinnerbait uh, that during the spring I'm throwing on pretty heavy lines. So I use 50 pound braid on a medium heavy rod, and I, I don't know if that's gonna be too much, you know, line for this water clarity. But I was like, screw it, I'm gonna go ahead and you know do it anyways. So get up there to this spot, and I you know wait until seven o'clock, which is lines in, and I start making the cast. First cast, I caught a freaking like three pound hybrid striped bass which i was like got my heart racing um you know put him back and just kind of picking apart this area and probably i would say the first like i said i told people the first 10 casts but now that i think about it, it's probably the first like 10 minutes of fishing i uh i threw up and just freaking cup hammered and uh ended up landing my biggest fish of the day it was 19 and a half so I was like, all right, uh, good start. Um, and anytime I'm fishing those tournaments, it's a little word of advice. If you're fishing a kayak tournament or you're looking to get in them, 
something I always do, like, okay, if you catch a nice fish, like, great, congratulations, you caught a nice fish. But, like, your next challenge is to measure that fish, make sure you don't lose it, and also get as many inches as you can out of that fish. Because I think a lot of guys, I've you know, and I've done it myself before I had experience, they, like, get all, you know, their heart's racing, they're all excited, and they, you know put the fish on the board, the fish is flopping, you're getting, you know, spines in your hand, and, you know, uh, sometimes you lose the fish, which is the worst, um, but other times you might just not get a good picture where you got that extra eighth of an inch that you, or quarter of an inch you could have gotten out of that fish, and that's, that can, you know, be really important at times, like, you know, that a quarter inch can be the difference between winning and losing, so, um, I was, sort of like, all right, I'm going to take my time. And I, I actually like pedaled over to the bank on all of my fish that day, you know, beached my kayak, got out, you know, set the measuring board on my kayak and measuring my fish, you know, made sure, you know, obviously you don't want to like keep the fish out of the water too long, but at the same time, it's like, dude, this is, you know, tournament you want to get in, in most of your fish, you'll find like if they're close, like if you, Let's say you have an 18 or 17 and three quarter, but it's like in between that three quarter and 18 mark. If you give the fish a little bit of time to relax, like you can usually get a little, get him to hit that 18. So just like word of advice. Anyways, I catch that fish, caught it on a spinnerbait in really fast moving water. I was like, hell yeah. Anyways, uh, go up there, I catch a 17 pretty quick from then on same, same pattern. Um, and then... I had a limit by like 7.30. Like I had a a five fish limit. Now the three fish besides those two nice ones were all like under 14 inches. So I wasn't like super thrilled about it. About it, But I was sort of like in, I felt like I kind of milked that spot out. Um, and this is some, another like sort of lesson to be learned is like, they always say like, don't leave fish to find fish, but, there's also a, uh, um, a thing such as like staying on a spot too long and like, you got to know when to like bail, you know? And I will say this, like in the wintertime, you don't bail, you know, you just don't because there's other fish there in the springtime, you know, that's like, to me is like a cover water thing. Like once a spot starts to dry up, like I usually, if I go like 10 minutes without getting a bite, I'm like, see ya. So I took off downstream and I ended up going downstream to, um, uh, a couple, well, I really did like a float by that point, And I was like, I didn't really have a pattern because I had fished this particular spot. There really wasn't, there's was a couple spots like it, but a lot of like guessing, you know, I was like kind of guessing. So anyways, I took off downstream and I'm like, all right, like what, a, you know, what am I going to find here? And the bite wasn't great, to be honest. Like, I, I was getting them. I actually saw a, a giant uh, chase my spinnerbait kind of up to the boat. And it, like, a little bit of a heartbreaker. And I was like, all right, that wasn't good. Um, and then I ended up getting a, I think it was a 16 and three quarter. Yeah, 16 and three quarter off a of bridge piling. But it was sort of in the same type of, like, really fast current area. So I'm like, all right, like, we're starting to put something together here. All right, I got to jump off. I'll, I'll uh, continue this when I get out of this point. 
All right, so I just caught that 16 and three quarter off, off that bridge piling. And like I said, it was like there was current ripping around both sides of the bridge piling. And there was a nice, nice little scoured out kind of depression in the river with some rock in it right behind that bridge piling. But I was more like I'm starting to put together a pattern, which I was pretty excited about. Um, now, so if you kind of look at my board right now, I have a 19 and a half, a 17, and a 16 and three quarter, and then a couple, like, I think one of them was almost 14, and the other was probably 12, 12 and change. So I was like, well, I got to get rid of those two small fish. You know, I felt pretty good, like, it, in the podcast that I deleted, the recording I deleted, I think I was like, you know, 85 is sort of the, like, what you need to shoot for, which is a 17 inch average, you need to shoot for that 85 if you're going to have a chance of winning it. And I was pretty accurate, actually, but we'll talk about that here in a sec. So I had two fish that I'm like, I got to get rid of these two fish. And I caught a couple of their small ones. Then I kind of had the most interesting part of the day is I pull up on this area and there's like these fish that just scatter, like two big fish. I'm like, oh shit, like this is, those are nice fish. Enough that I was like, I'm going to go back and check them out. So I go back to this area and sure enough, dude, it's like a freaking HD bed, high definition for those who weren't following me, but high definition like bed, like clear as day in the middle of this little pocket. I was like, oh man. And then I as I got kind of closer, I could see there was a fish sitting on it, a good fish. And I was like, oh man. And then I spooked it again, uh, which at first I saw two fish spook. And the second time I only saw one. So I was like, all right. So I pulled up and got kind of out of sight of this bed, but where I could see it, it was tough because the water wasn't super clear, but it was clear enough. I could see the bed. I sat and waited for 20 minutes for this fish to come back to the bed. And it finally came back, and I was like, all right, I'm going to toss my, I had a net rig tied on, and I was like, I'm going to toss my net rig up there. I tossed my net rig, and dude, as soon as my net rig hit the water, it's like, it's gone. But I saw it enough to be like, that was a freaking giant, like it's a 20 plus. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave this net rig. The, you know, for those who like to bed fish, I know some people are probably going to turn the podcast off after they hear this, but for those who like the bed fish, a really good strategy is to throw your bait on the bed and leave it there when the fish is off of it or if it spooks off. And then when the fish comes back on, let it swim like right in front of your bait and then just sort of like, you know, vibrate it, jiggle it, whatever. And uh, I did that and I took another 20 minutes. But this time it's with the other fish. And they're both, one of them was probably like 18, the other one was probably 20. I would say it's probably 21 or 22. Now, here's the only kicker <laughs> it was only then that I realized this is a largemouth. Now, the female, or I guess that was the females, so was the bigger one. The male actually looked like a smallmouth, but I never did get a great look at it. But I was like, I could have swore that was a smallmouth and a largemouth spawning together, but. I could have been wrong. It could have been too, uh, could have been too largemouth. The bigger one was definitely a largemouth. I got a real good look at the lateral line. 
and it was like, oh, yeah, that's a large amount. So I'm 45, 50 minutes into this thing, and I had my netter in the bed, and I sort of, like, tried to jiggle it. Dude, as soon as I moved, the, those dudes, like, took off again. So I was like, well, I'm done with that. So I wasted almost an hour uh, fishing for these fish that ended up being largemouth, or at least the one big one was. Um, so I left. There's a one really particular spot I was really looking forward to because it was the most similar to the morning spot. Um, I was looking forward to getting to it. And so I sort of worked my way down, and as I'm going down, uh, you know, I'm still... Okay, like, if you have time to fish, fish. Like, don't go through... Now, unless you're, like, blowing through a section, you know, or if you're in a boat tournament, you're obviously, you're firing up the big motor. But, like... I see the mistake a lot of people make. They're like, oh, this is unproductive water. They're just going to kind of take a snack break or whatever, not fish. Or they, they waste, you know, 15 minutes. Or they're, like, retying a bunch of lures or, like, experiment. Like, dude, like, at, you never know when the big, next big bite will come. And this is a good example of it. I'm fishing different type of water than I have been fishing the whole day. and Or they've been catching fish in the whole day. I, I had zero confidence I was going to catch fish but i kept throwing that spinner bait because i know it's just a matter of time uh before you know you can run across a rogue fish or whatever in a rogue area and i was in this deep slow area probably what i consider more of like a wintering spot and dude i that spinner bait was probably like 10 feet from my uh, bait and uh and freaking another 16 and three quarter just hammered it right at the boat you know, I barely had to even fight it, uh, got it up in the net, 16 three quarters. So there's my fourth fish. And I'm like, all right, I just need two more or one more. So I have 19 and a half, a 17, two 16 and three quarters. All right, I need one more and I'm going to feel good about my day. And I had this other spot to go to. So I was pretty confident I could get up there. So, or get one there. So I get there and, uh, Fish above this area, it's sort of like a riffle type area, rock dam, whatever you want to call it. And um, I caught a couple short fish, but that, I was honestly expecting them to be up there. They weren't. So I was like, all right, I'll go below it. Then the fast stuff is, which is, you know, with the, now that I think about it, it's like where I was catching them all day anyways, in the fast, fast current. And I get up there, uh, and I, I'm fishing kind of in this corner where there's a little current break. And I look up, and dude, I see right above this riffle, a uh, rock. It was it's sort of like a rock dam uh, area. It's not a dam, but it's like somebody has stacked rocks there at some point in time. And I saw this smallmouth busting bait, like chasing this bait above about ten feet above this area. So it's like super fast current right there. So I'm like, all right, I I kind of set my rod down. Uh, you know, I'm pedaling with that Hobie up into this current, which you can do with that Hobie. It's freaking badass that it can do that. But I'm like pedaling right up there. And as I get up there, this smallmouth still busting bait, busting bait. And I'm kind of waiting to get a really good shot at it. And <laughs> if you've ever seen smallmouth bust bait, they go nuts sometimes. And they this thing, it was stuff, was, whatever it's chasing was flying out of the water. 
and it ends up chasing it over this dam or over this rock dam, like literally right to my kayak. Like, I mean, it, I just got kind of close up and casting this. It starts running downstream. I took, I had my spinnerbait rod is what I had in my hand. I took it and literally I don't even hardly think I cast it. I kind of just like dropped the spinnerbait in the water right on the sink's head because it was like right in front of me. And dude, this thing, I saw full visual take, just turns at my spinnerbait and immediately just crushes it, dude. Set the hook. Dude, I mean, I bare, I didn't even, you know, I hardly didn't even let it run. I just set the hook, grabbed my net, scooped it up. 16 and a quarter. I got my five fish. And I'm pretty freaking pumped at this point. So I'm like, that was the coolest catch I've had all year. The coolest catch I've had some in some time. And... I pull over to bank, like I was saying earlier, measure my fish. I called a couple of people because they were asking how I was doing. I called my wife to see how she was doing. And uh, they actually had a bomb threat at school, so they were off school that day. Uh, random fact. But I was feeling pretty good. I was like, all right, I got it. You know, I got I got what I wanted. I think I had an 86 and a quarter at that time. I, I text a couple people and I update them. I don't upload my fish until the end of the tournament, which some people get shitty about. They call it sandbagging. For me, I'm like, that's just wasting time to upload fish. I don't give a shit. If it, I would rather people not know what I have because then they can, like, try to keep fishing and beat me. It's like, why would you do that when you can do it after the tournament? But there was, like, some huge live audience that was, you know wanting to watch this i would upload them in real time but there's not so <laughs> you know it's a gamesmanship as far as i'm concerned but anyways i was like felt pretty good at 86 and a quarter took a little bit of breather i hadn't drank or eaten anything up to this point it's probably about 130 so i i grabbed a protein bar ate it and drank some water took a and i'm watching above this dam and i'm seeing fish chasing so i was like oh shit i gotta get up there so I get back and I kind of tuck my boat in this like little area where there's rocks kind of holding me in place. And I stand up, dude, and I see a fish kind of chasing up in the left side of this area. Throw up above it. And, dude, I, I had a fluke on at this point. This is the only fluke fish I caught. Um, or the only fluke fish of the keepers that I caught. And I had the very first one after that little break I took just crushed it, dude. It was 17 and a half. And I was like, now I got 87 and a half inches. I feel real good about that total. Um, not that it's unbeatable, but like 87 and a half, the damn good day. So I was like debating on going downstream to catch a 20 because I had a spot about a mile and a half downstream of, well, it was probably a mile downstream of the put in or takeout. So I would have had to come back upstream, and I was like, you know, honestly, it's not even worth going down there to try to get that fish. I have a good total here now. So I spent the rest of the time around the area paddling up and downstream. I'd let that dam area rest, fish, you know, downstream, come back up, fish the dam, and kind of repeat that. I did that for about an hour and a half until the tournament ended. Didn't end up upgrading any more of my fish, but I ended up with 87 and a half inches, and that ended up being enough to win it. Uh, the guy that was at the ramp, uh, Justin Kivett, uh, was actually took second place for 85, I think at 85 and a half inches. And then Necrelli and Alex Deneau both ended up, I think, rounding out top five. Um, there might have been one more guy in there that I'm not sure who it was, but 
In fact, I will look it up because I gotta give credit where credit is due. So let's see here. Tourney X. If you guys ever want to follow along, you can go on Tourney X and follow along with the scores. Oh yeah. So you had me, uh, 87.5, Justin Kiva, 85.5, Nick Matthews, who I ran into, and he gave me a ride back. Nick's a great dude. He got third of 81 a quarter. Nacrelli and Alcino, both um, 79 a quarter and 79, respectively. Pickering came on one of the harder days. He fished on Sunday and put up a respectable 77 inches for sixth place. And then uh, I think Nick's dad, Mike, got seventh. And then Tyler Atwell, fellow bronze master. Freaking 75 and seven, three quarter inches. Eric Tracy, 75 and a half. And Justin Long with uh, 75 for number 10. And then I got to go one more spot. Randy freaking Kaiser, 74 and seven, five inch, 74 and three quarter inches. Um, probably throwing a Whopper Popper or Chapo. So, anyways, uh, that that was the tournament, man. I, you know, as far as the pattern goes, I, I think I have to say, you know, Fast current was the deal. Um, fish were pre-spawned for sure. Other than that one bed, which ended up being a largemouth, I didn't see any beds. They were pre-spawned. They were chasing. They were eating. They were um, ready and willing to crush moving baits, which, you know, you wait all year for that. And, uh, man, that was such a good feeling just to have a good day out there, man. Even if I wouldn't have won the tournament, it was like, that was a good day. Um, so, anyways, that's my recap. Hopefully you guys get a little bit out of this format where I kind of talk about, you know, my day throughout the tournament, you know, what led up to it, how I caught my fish. Pretty transparent, you know, I'm not trying to hide anything. Um, you know, I, even if I don't win the tournament, I usually learn more about fishing if I don't win because I kind of figure out what I did wrong and talked to, to winners and all that. So... You know, I, I was, I, I, hopefully, like I said, you guys get, get something out of this and, uh, yeah, well, Chris and I are, uh, doing a little trip. Uh, I think we're going up to the Susquehanna river, uh, next weekend for four days, which I'm super stoked about. First destination trip of the year. And guess who decided to freaking go with us? None other than Mr. Derek Burton, Hoosier State Fishing. Sure, that dude's gonna record a ton of content, put a ton of content out, and uh, the dude that's responsible for obliterating everyone in Smalley Games though thus far um, is Mr. Randy Long. So Randy is going to be hosting us up there, and we're gonna be fishing with him out of a couple jet boats. Chris is bringing his. I think I'm gonna leave mine at home, and then I'm gonna fish with Randy. So, man, I'm pretty pumped about it. I'm not gonna lie, I'm like. Super stoked about uh, going up there. Um, got all these fish counted that I caught for Smalley Games, so I, I did get those. I'm going to do a short video on our Achigan page to talk about how I'm going to use those game pieces and place them on board. I have not placed them on my board yet, so all the pieces I've got so far this year, I think I have 15 or so. I'm going to put them on my board. I would guess I would come back from Pennsylvania with a few more stickers, a few more game pieces, so... We'll see. Uh, again, I'm pretty pumped. Until next time, though, free the fighter, baby. Later.